The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection. And thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you being with the show and supporting it. And I want to thank PricewaterhouseCoopers for helping me get launched and uh, sponsoring the show. It's been a real uh, benefit and plus, and their change and leadership uh, group is uh, really what I think one of the best in the world. So I'm happy to be affiliated with them. So when I think about I. Uh, did a webinar today for another organization and uh, spent a lot of time talking about how you build a talent powerhouse in your organization. And one of the first key elements is leadership. Having leaders who really support talent, who are what I call talent magnets, who are people who care about the people that they work with, that they lead, who are nurturing, who develop people, develop their own successors, spend time uh, getting to know people's aspirations, building relationships with them, and helping them build their careers. And when I think back on the best leaders that I've ever had, they've always been people who were interested in me, uh, helped me, reached out a hand and helped pull me up, gave me advice when I needed it, took a chance on me. And I really think if you really want to be a talent powerhouse, you need to have those kinds of leaders who are more about others than they are about themselves. And they see leadership as a journey, not as a role, but they see leadership as a real privilege. And they create these great cultures that are uh, exciting cultures, that are places where people really want to work. So I have this little story to tell you. I I started out uh, and was hired by GE to be the head of leadership development for GE Capital at the time. And I was in the last year of my PhD program. I was going every other weekend for years, uh, flying to Chicago to Benedictine University. And I was shocked when I got the call, a headhunter call, actually, to say, would you be interested in talking to GE? Now, at the time, Jack Welsh was the CEO of the company and, you know, legendary 
for building leadership organization. And I had learned about uh, Jim Cousas, who is a leading and Gary and Barry Posner, leading authors, leading thinkers in the area of uh, leadership development. And had written several books, Leadership Challenge, and we studied about it in school. And they had a uh, um, a Leadership 360 instrument that uh, leadership practices inventory that I became very familiar with, and that I really loved the concepts. So when I in- went on the interview, and I was after I found out that the people that were also being considered. I actually was frankly shocked that I, I uh, got the job, but I must have said some of the right things. I, I used uh, some words from um, the book Leadership Challenge in part of my interview and talked about how important I thought those things were. So I ultimately did get the job, which was great. And I ultimately have Jim Cousins to thank for some of that. Now, I had never met him, actually, and I had then was charged with pulling together a stellar, quote-unquote, uh, from the organization, leadership development program. And I used Jim's work as part of the foundation and some other pieces of things that he did around leadership credibility, etc. Subsequently, I got to know Marshall Goldsmith very well. And Marshall introduced me to Jim Jim in uh, San Francisco. And I was so excited. And then I followed back up and I asked him if he would be on my show. So this is a real treat and a real pleasure for me since he was so influential and inspirational to me as I was getting a PhD and as I graduated from school and moved into what I thought was probably one of my most exciting career positions. So Jim, thank you so much for joining me on this show. I'm just I'm just thrilled to have you. Linda, thank you very much and thank you for sharing that very gracious story. Um, this was something that I uh, didn't expect and thank you for for sharing it. Uh, it's, it's lovely to know uh, that uh, we could pay Clay Barry and I could play some role in your in your Ph.D. and in your work at uh, Crotonville, and thank you very much for that. Yes, well, you were, you were, you, and still are a great influencer. You know, I, I just wanted to say a little bit more about your background, that, you know, you were part of the Tom Peters Company, um, and, you know, you were part of the Peace Corps. Um, you were a John F. Kennedy Honor Guard at uh, Eagle Scout Honor Guard. How exciting was that at uh, John F. Kennedy's inauguration? And you know, you've clearly been an influencer, best-selling author, um, and a top influencer in the area of leadership. And with that, I'd like to lead into my first question of you, Jim. What was it that compelled you into really deciding to make your life's passion? Uh, around really developing great leaders? There, you mentioned the Boy Scouts and the Peace Corps, and I think two of those early influences were very dominant in, in my own uh, growth and development and interest in leadership. I grew up, uh, Linda, in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., and 
my parents were first generation Americans, grew up during the Depression. My father was in World War II, and they both ended up and got married in Washington, D.C. after the war. And I was raised, as many of the other children of that era were, uh, to really have a very strong affection for and loyalty to country and also to uh, be very considerate of other people. You know, after people went through the kind of depression that they did and had to uh, suffer through the kinds of things that individuals did during that era, uh, it was a very it was a it was a period of time in our, our history where we learned a lot about the country. We learned about a lot about what people had to suffer through during that those times. And part of that uh, growth and development, and being living and growing up in Washington D.C., visiting the monuments, seeing our history, was very influential to me in wanting to essentially become a political scientist. And my aspiration as a young man, was to actually go into the Foreign Service and someday become an ambassador. And so part of that journey I saw as Peace Corps. Uh, and, and so yes. I, I owe it to my parents and to uh, and really to the time in which I grew up that helped to shape uh, and influence me very deeply. And, of course, there was also uh, Martin Luther King, the war in Vietnam, uh, were part of my formative years as well, and those were other influences on, on how uh, I got into this field. Yeah, and, you know, at that time that you were doing some of this writing and thinking, you know, books like Encouraging the Heart, you know, mm-hmm. were not necessarily all, you know, that was considered pretty soft in the HR world. How, how did you get these concepts to really catapult forward and to grab people like it grabbed me? Well, you, you mentioned encouraging the heart is not necessarily a concept that was popular at the time. I remember one very large American corporation that even said to us, would you change the name of that practice because we don't talk about heart around here. <laughs> so uh, right. we, we, it, it was, it, all, of these, all of our books really grew out of an initial question that we asked. And that initial question was, what do leaders do when they're operating at their best? And these were, the, we, we can talk about how that project got started, but I think that, that question appealed to us because we wanted to know what leaders did, not, when, not, not the problems that they were facing or the adversities that they were facing, but what were they doing when they were at their best? It was very much... Uh, the same concept as, as Tom Peterson, Bob Waterman wrote about best companies. We wanted to write about best leaders. And we didn't want to approach it from the perspective of large companies and what do leaders do within large companies. But what's the ordinary, everyday leader do? That, that manager that you and I might have at work, what does he or she do when operating at the best? And I think it was influenced, if I go back to my own, my own upbringing, my own history, uh, very much a belief that each individual can make a difference and that it's not about the famous leaders, even though I was very strongly influenced by John F. Kennedy, a very well-known leader at the time and still to sure. this day revered by many. I, I was in his honor guard as a boy, an Eagle Scout. So 
uh, I was strongly influenced by those people, but at the same time, I was also influenced by Johnny Smith. It was my first supervisor, and I was influenced by uh, the, the dean of the business school at Santa Clara University who hired me uh, and where I met Barry Posner. And, and, and so we wanted to focus not on those famous leaders, but on the everyday leader. And, you know, I, I'll tell you, it, is, it was that question that resonated the most with me because as I looked at other leadership uh, development concepts and thoughts, helping people understand how they operate when they're at their best and at their peak performance, you know, uh, that whole appreciative inquiry kind of thing. And when I, uh, that's just so much more energizing for people than talking to them about, you know, what their deficits are, what they have to do. What are you like when you're really at your best? And, and I think that's that's what drew, and that was the anchor for the program I did for GE, by the way, which I won an award for. Thanks, thank you very much. Congratulations. So, that that's a that's a a, a great story. Um, break is going to be in about a minute, but tell me how you met Tom Peters, and what did you learn from him, and how did that all come together? Well, I was at Santa Clara University. I'd been hired by Santa Clara University after being at San Jose State University for about eight years. And uh, I, I got this call from the dean of the business school at Santa Clara saying they needed a new director of the Executive Development Center and would I be interested. And I, uh, I, uh, I really jumped at the opportunity and uh, joined Santa Clara University to direct the Executive Development Center. In that role, I had responsibility then for not only utilizing our faculty at Santa Clara in the business school to, to uh, teach some of our continuing ed programs, our executive ed programs, but also looking outside the external resources. And I had known Tom prior to joining for his work with McKinsey, and I had invited him because I knew he and Bob were working on a book called In Search of Excellence, and I asked him if he'd come talk about it at Santa Clara. And that was my initial meeting with him. And one thing led to another, and uh, when we published the Leadership Challenge, and about a year after that, Tom asked me if I would uh, join uh, his company as the president of TPG Learning Systems, Tom Peters Group Learning Systems. Well, that's terrific. We're at break. Uh, stay with us. I'm talking to Jim Kikuzas, one of the best uh, leading thinkers in leadership worldwide uh, we're going to be talking more about his books stay with us uh, as we go to break when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network if you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, 
really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection. And with me today is Jim Kuzes, uh, author of many top leadership books, most notably The Leadership Challenge uh, and their book Credibility and what leaders, how leaders gain and uh, can lose it. Um, we were talking about how uh, Jim got involved in this in the first place and his relationship with Tom Peters and how he got with Tom Peters. And what I wanted to ask you is what did you learn? I mean, Tom Peters clearly was iconic for the time, you know, in search of excellence clearly was on everybody's lips, you know, who was in business um, and on everybody's bookshelves. And what was the biggest takeaway from him that you learned? Well, Linda, I think there, there are probably Two or three things that, that stand out when you ask that question. The, the first of those is Tom and Bob's book, In Search of Excellence, was an alternative to the uh, thought at the time, which was mainly the conversation about Japanese management. And people were holding up Japanese management right. as the ideal at the I time. I remember that. Uh, you know, Theory Z, Bill Lucci, those books that were at that time. And Correct. Tom and Bob wanted to look at best companies primarily U.S. companies that were, although many of them were global, uh, look, look at the best companies and their best practices. And so he, he showed the power of the positive. Let's focus on what people are doing right. And we took that same notion and applied it to individuals. So this is what best companies do, but what about individual leaders? What do they do? And also we raised the question, do do, do great leaders have to come from great companies, or can they be in any context? Uh, but I think it was the power of the positive. The second is Tom was among the very first management scholars to tell stories. 
he, he was a master at storytelling. And I think another thing that we all learned from Tom was that in order to get your message across, as, as empirically correct as it might be, you've got to tell a story. You've got to put it in the terms that people can understand in their day-to-day life. So uh, the power of storytelling. And I think the, another thing that, at least for me personally, was, was important about Tom is, is Tom uh, was not a micromanager. Tom uh, demonstrated the power of empowerment to me, the, that you know, he, he gave us the ability, even it was his company, but we were making the decisions. We felt we were making the, the important decisions on a day-to-day basis. Uh, we weren't controlled by somebody, you know, like, quote, the chairman of the board. We, were, we, we had uh, our own capacity and our own skills and abilities to make the right decisions. So that leads me to a next question. You have a partner that you, the, the, first let me pause for a second and say that those are really powerful uh, ex- lessons, really. But you also have a partner with whom you uh, write just about, I think, all of your books, actually, uh, Barry uh, Posner. And how, t- t- tell me what he's contributed to your life and your thinking. I met Barry in 1981 when I was settling into my office at Santa Clara University, and there was this knock on the door. You know, it was a tall guy, about six foot four, in the door frame, and he uh, he said to me, "You're in my office." And I said, "Oh, excuse me. I thought this was my office." And he laughed as Barry does, and he said, "No, it's really your office. It was my office. Now it's your office. Welcome to Santa Clara University. If there's anything I can do to help you." get acquainted with people and, and learn the campus, uh, be of any help at all at the Executive Development Center, you know, please call on me. And I did. I answered that invitation uh, with a yes, and we became colleagues and learned that we had a common interest in culture and values. So the first paper we actually wrote together was Shared Values Make a Difference. And that initial journey uh, led us to then the question of personal best leadership experiences and writing that first book together, and we just happen to mesh. We have different skills and abilities that we bring to it, so it's a nice complement, but we have a a common interest in uh, improving the quality and the quantity of leadership in the world, And, and that has sustained itself over 31 years now. 30, actually, no, I... 34 years. <laughs> 34 years now. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a long time, and that's a, a long relationship. Now, did he go with you to the Tom Peters group, or did, no. uh, did he stay at Santa Clara? No, Barry has remained at Santa Clara. He, it, it, he was initially hired there to teach. Uh, he's, he taught there, became a full professor. He was dean of the business school. And after he stepped down as dean, he remained, he remained on and still does today, teaching leadership at Santa Clara. He's in an in, in, in wow. chair now at Santa Clara. Wow, that's pretty impressive, pretty yeah. impressive. So what caused the two of you, and I, I love the shared values make a difference. I think that's such an important part of building relationships with people. I, I wish we did more of that. Uh, not only in our personal lives, but in our work lives. But what made you write the Leadership Challenge? Well, it, it's an interesting, an interesting genesis. 
we, this is what connects Tom, me, and Barry. Uh, we had invited Tom to, to do a, a seminar at Santa Clara. It was very popular. It was before In Search of Excellence came out. Uh, we knew that it was, had a positive response. So before, just right before In Search of Excellence came out, we invited Tom to come back the following year in February 1983. And uh, we, we, it was a two-day program. Tom did day one on best companies, and Barry and I were going to do best leaders on day two. Now, we didn't have a book like Tom, but we did have some ideas. But we also wanted to invite the participation of, of all of the participants in the program and say, you know, what do you think? So we gave them a homework assignment. And we asked everyone to write this write a personal story about their most significant personal best leadership experience. And everyone wrote a case, and then we had them discuss it. And when they debriefed it in small groups, they recorded the common themes that came out of these stories. And along the hall walls in Kenna Hall, Santa Clara University, I can still visualize this to this day, there were all of these flip charts on the wall from about 80 participants and what we we were both surprised and and delighted to see that there were common themes across all of these all of these group discussions and that that made us aware that maybe there are some universal leadership practices that regardless of industry or age or position people engage in when they are doing their best and that intrigued us so much that it led then to spending from 82, 83 until 1987 when the book, first edition of Leadership Challenge came out on that question. The fifth edition came out two years ago. Next year we start the sixth edition. So it's been a compelling and engaging topic for us ever since. Yeah, and I, I do want to ask you um if if you if you would share for our audience the common themes, uh, if you would share the common themes that came out, absolutely. The the what we derived from the common themes in the personal best cases were five practices. We called them the five practices of exemplary leadership. And the first of those is called model the way. The second is inspire a shared vision. The third practice is is challenge the process. The fourth is enable others to act, and the fifth is encourage the heart. Each one of those, in in the Leadership Challenge book, we spend two chapters describing in more detail what each one of those means. So there's a model the way we talk about clarifying values and also about setting an example. When we talk about inspiring a shared vision, we talk about envisioning the future and enlisting others. Challenge the process is about searching for opportunities and... and, uh, Experimenting, taking risks, uh, enable others to act is about fostering collaboration and uh, strengthening others and then encouraging the heart. We write about, talk about both uh, recognizing individuals for their contributions and celebrating the values and the victories as a team and community. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Um, you said something earlier that I just want to explore a little more. You said that what you were looking at was did, did great leaders just have to come from great companies? And I'm assuming from what you said that 
Not necessarily. So what what have you seen around that? Is is great leadership agnostic to the company or are they are or do they go hand in hand? I love that word agnostic. If if we all step back and think about the best leaders, if we were to, if we were to ask about the the most well-known historical leaders, the leaders people admire and look up to. We would, would hear people like Kennedy or Martin Luther King or Gandhi or, or Mandela, um, Indira Gandhi also. You'd hear a number of, of, of names like that. And you ask yourself, while some of them, like the President of the United States, might be on the most admired leader list, historical leaders, famous leaders, there are also people like Martin Luther King or Gandhi, Mahatma um, Gandhi, who held no position at all. And so it occurred to us that, you know, if you look at across his, uh, his, the arc of history, some of the best leaders in the world held no position. They were, they were from the community. They, they were individuals that hold no, held no rank. Uh, they didn't have a title. They didn't necessarily come from the best families. And that they made extraordinary things happen. And so we took that same notion that you don't, have to come from best companies to be to engage in the best practices of exemplary leaders. So instead of interviewing just people from those best companies, we interviewed people from a cross section of organizations, profit, nonprofit, education, healthcare, private sector, industry, high technology. We interviewed people from uh, all different age groups. So we took first-line supervisors up through CEOs, so we got a cross-section that way, men and women. Uh, we, we have been coming, we have become increasingly global, so now 50% of the cases that we write about are from around the world. And all of that is to demonstrate that leadership is not about rank, it's not about tenure, it's not about position, it's not about, uh, the you know, it's not a birthright, it's not about... Uh, the family you were born into, it's about your behavior and what you do. And that what yeah. we found yeah, in our research is you, know, you can get extraordinary things done uh, from anywhere in the organization. So we're coming, to, we're, we're, we've got a cut for break, Jim. Uh, great break spot because we're going to talk about more of that. I, I, wonderful points. So stay with us. We're talking with Jim Kuzis, uh, ex- leadership expert extraordinaire. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. 
You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on the future of business. Learn how you can become the transformational leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next breakthrough wave of innovation. The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host for I Lead, the Leadership Connection, and uh, we're having a great conversation. I'm having a great conversation with Jim Kuzes, uh, leading author and expert on uh, leadership. And he was just talking about, we were just talking about how leadership and people who do great and extraordinary things can come from any walk of life, any social status, uh, don't have to be connected with the company. And it's really true when you think about that. Uh, Jim was also saying, and I'd like him to talk a little bit more about that, that this is his research, which is one of the reasons why I love it so much, is that it's just not a matter of, you know, interviewing people, but it's, it is also correlated uh, and they've correlated the five practices that he spoke about with outcomes. Uh, so it's, could you say a little bit more about that? So there's real research and science behind what you discovered, right, Jim? Yes, Lyndon, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, while we love to tell stories about what leaders do when they're operating at their best, we also, coming from an academic environment, very still being in one, we, we want to make sure that what we say is, is, has evidence behind it. And one, so one of the pieces of research right. that we do is we, we look at what we call positive work attitudes, Linda, which is what other people call engagement. We look at the extent to which people are mm-hmm. in the company, committed to the organization, strong work ethic, are productive, have clear expectations, feel valued, those kinds of measures. We correlate those with practices. And so the hypothesis is, of course, that the more you engage in best leadership practices, the higher the engagement and that's exactly what we find. We find that the more frequently people engage in modeling and inspiring, challenging, enabling, and encouraging, and the behaviors that go along with those practices, the more engaged people are and the more profitable the organization or the higher the performance regardless of the measure. And, it, and another important thing for people to remember 
uh, is that leadership accounts for more of the variance in statistical terms as to why people are engaged than any other factor at work. Any other factor. Counts for more than pay, counts for more than the type of organization you're in. In fact, demographic variables only account for about two-tenths of 1% around the world of why people are engaged. Leadership, yeah. on the other hand, and you know, much more than that, significantly more than that. Yeah, and you know, that, that gets to my current um, uh, sort of mantra is, you know, all this business of ratings and performance and, uh, you know, giving people, telling them what they did well or what they didn't do well. I mean, you know, the, the that's important and you have to do some of that. But I, I just love this notion of being more of a role model and, you know, sort of leading the way for others. Um, what's your feeling about that practice of performance ratings in organizations? Uh, we're, we're not a believer in forced ranking at all. It has more of a demotivating effect than a motivating effect. Uh, and so it's, we're not a fan of that, although we are a very, very strongly favor immediate feedback about how people are doing, uh, yes. which is different than giving them a ranking like you're you know, at the top of the list or the bottom of the list. But on a regular right. basis, engaging in performance feedback and better to design jobs so that people get feedback from the job itself. Uh, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So it, I love that. Yeah, we, you know, the best leaders bring out two to three times the talents of of their workforce compared to the worst leaders, and the evidence is very strong uh, that leaders make a difference. So the question isn't do leaders make a difference. The real question is how do leaders make a positive difference. And that's really where we ought to be focusing our attention is how do I as an individual leader make a positive difference on a day-to-day basis in, in the engagement and performance of the people I lead? Yeah, that's a great question. That is a great question. So today, though, Jim, uh, you know, did you do any research on that actually as, as the, the forced ranking and, and how it is a demotivator and a, a Lack of engage, engager, I guess, for lack of a better word. Well, it's in the sense that we looked at the leadership practices and and know that when you engage less frequently in the best leadership practices, you score lo- lower, and that that is not one of the frequent leadership practices. But no, we rely on research that's been done by others uh, in yeah. the literature, and be glad to offer anyone uh, a reference if they like to write in, but uh, we, we rely on research by others and more and more of research coming out these days on that. Many companies, for example, have dropped that. Uh, they don't yeah. do that any longer at many of the best companies. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. So what do you see today as the uh, biggest leadership challenge that people are facing, you know, with technology, globalization, fast pace? You know, the economy had not been the best. Command and control seemed to come out as the new default, I guess, not new, but the default uh, position where people may have been, you know, more 
more focused on the heart of leadership. What, what are you seeing, Jim? Well, I, the number one challenge, if, if you look at uh, the question of talent, man, the, the whole talent management space where people are looking at how do we uh, Im- improve the way in which we manage our talent, lead our talent, the development of leaders comes up at number one. Now, that leadership is seen as an urgent priority for the majority of organizations and something about which organizations aren't doing enough. Uh, most employers, for example, today in studies uh, want to see leadership development start by age 21. Uh, and so there's a strong push now, and some of this is driven by generational shifts in the workplace and the fact that millennials are 25% of the workforce today, but they'll be 75% in 10 years. And looking at are these... Uh, individuals prepared to take on the leadership roles of the generation that's leaving the organization? The answer to that question is no, and we need to be focused on leadership development. So that's that's number one on, on many lists. The whole issue of workforce diversity, largely driven by two yeah. variables, the global nature of the workforce and women in the workforce. Yeah. Uh, and so that is uh, an important uh, area, challenge that... Uh, uh, we are facing in the organization, and one one is which which is on the agenda of many others. Trust and leader credibility is also at the top of the list. Uh, for example, according to Edelman's Trust Barometer, in half the countries around the world, trust in business is below fifty percent, and only forty three percent consider CEOs to be trustworthy, and thirty eight percent consider government officials to be trustworthy. No surprise on the latter, but. Many CEOs are quite surprised at the 43%. Uh, and so that is a big issue these days that, that it has to be addressed. Uh, and uh, I th- uh, those, those are the ones that are at the top of our list. Leadership development, the you know, generational shifts that are taking place, workforce diversity, and leader credibility. Yeah, that is... Uh, those are three big ones. I think, you know, we used to talk about diversity before, uh, you know, a lot of leadership development did get gutted from a number of companies that I have worked with and that I've been in, not GE, interestingly enough. Uh, and, um, you know, diversity is what I, what I really call like an inclusive culture is going to be so much more important as we're dealing with people f- from all different walks of life. And trust, of yeah. course, has always been there. So tell me, um, what are you working on now? Right now What's Barry your latest are, project? Right now, Barry and I are, are uh, writing the manuscript of a book uh, on how the best leaders are the best learners. And it's about leadership development, but more from the perspective of what do each of us has to do individually, not corporate programs, but what do we as individual leaders need to do in order to develop ourselves and become better leaders. Uh, we were writing on that. At, in fact, I was doing that a little earlier today before our call. Uh, that will turn in the manuscript in February, and we'll have a book by middle of next year. Wow. And, so that, and then uh, so next year we start the sixth edition of Leadership Challenge. And on top of that, so, we're doing you know, some updates and upgrades of our leadership practices inventory and uh, working on... Uh, client work that we both do. Uh, so lots. I turned lots 70 on Saturday, but still working full time. <laughs> uh, good for you. And I, I hope I, I hope I can say the same uh, in the not too distant 
<laughs> not too distant future. Um, what three pieces of advice do you have for someone who is continuing to develop themselves to be a better leader? I, I, I think I'd, I'd uh, say that the three most important pieces of advice based on our research are first and foremost, that credibility is the foundation of leadership. If you don't believe in the messenger, you won't believe the message. So personal credibility is the foundation. Being forward-looking is what differentiates leaders from other credible people. So as leaders, we have to make sure that we understand the trends, the, the trajectory of the future, what's happening in the future, also the hopes, dreams, and aspirations of our constituents and our customers, their employees, the, the, the families. What is it that people's hopes, dreams, and aspirations are? And what, what, what do we see as the kind of future that we'd all like to envision. And lastly, I think the third, and, and perhaps this is really the most important, is you can't do it alone. Leadership is not a solo yeah. act. It's about a relationship with other people. And we can't talk about leadership and we also, unless we talk about that, that uh, relationship. Yeah. And you can't do it alone. That's a great, it's a great way to come up uh, uh, we're, we're, we're taking our next break. Stay with us. I have a couple of uh, email questions that came in, uh, Jim. So stay on the line. We have uh, some questions from our audience. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two 
1-888-346-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the leadership connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host for I Lead the Leadership Connection. With me is Jim Coos's uh, leading expert in leadership. And Jim, we've had a uh, email. Well, it seems to me that my audience likes to email me uh, and email the guest best. So we have an email from Lisa in uh, Palo Alto. And what she is asking is, how do you create an environment for continuous learning? Well, thank you, Lisa, for that question, a favorite topic of mine. And let me begin by telling a very quick story. We got an email from a woman, we'll call her DR, and DR was uh, in government service. She was working on her master's degree after getting two bachelor's degrees. She wrote us an email about how when she first started this leadership development course that she was taking as part of her master's degree, that she, was, she, she wasn't sure she could be a leader. She said, after all, I'm only a mother, grandmother, and coal miner's daughter. Wow. Then she paused and said, but maybe someone like myself does have the possibility of being a leader. And I think that is key. We have to establish an environment in which people believe that they, can, they do have the possibility of becoming a leader. If we communicate a message to people that you can't change, you can't become better than you are at whatever it is, people won't even try. So we have to create a climate in which people have the belief that they can become better. In, 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 in academic terms, it's called a growth mindset as compared to a fixed mm. mindset. And uh, Carol Dweck has done some of the original research on this, but that's the first element of a climate. The second thing is we have to elevate people's aspirations. We have to help them to set their sights higher. Uh, you know, imagining their careers 10 years out, dreaming about a position that serves you well, uh, thinking about the longer term. Leaders have to think long term, we know, and so for leaders it's about longer term thinking. Uh, a third element is we, we have to have an environment which challenges people to excel. And one of the things we found out about personal best leadership experiences is they're all about challenge, adversity, difficulty. Not so much that people break, but enough that they stretch themselves and realize that even uh, I can do more than I think I can. The fourth element of that is that uh, as, as leaders, we have to provide people with an example ourselves. We have to provide them with good role models at work so they can see by example what people do when they're doing these behaviors well. And then we have to promote that other people practice them. I, I love the quote from Anders Ericsson who said, living in a cave doesn't make you a geologist. You know, just being in a position called manager doesn't make you a better leader. It, it, it takes effort. It takes practice. And lastly, we have to provide people with support, that people need to know that they matter. Uh, you need to show them that you care about them and that accepting help and support from those who care about you strengthens resilience. And learning is often very difficult and requires resilience. And so people need to have the support. Those are six elements, I think, that make for an environment, a climate where people become continuous learners. Well, now I think if anybody had any question as to why you are such a great uh, model of leadership and 
thinker around leadership and demonstrator of leadership. I don't think they have one now after listening to this discussion. You know, I forgot to ask you one question, Jim, and I don't know if you can tell me this quickly, but you had on your tagline, love them and lead them. Can you tell me quickly the story about that? Tell you the short version of the story. It comes as an answer to the question that we ask everybody at the end of our interviews. And we said, tell us what you would advise people uh, to do to become better leaders, apropos to your last question. And to, to Lisa's last question, and and uh, Don, uh, the person who uh, answered it, Major General John Stanford, and and John said in response to that question, I tell people I have the secret to success in life. The secret to success is stay in love, mm. and that is that that lesson about what you need to do to develop yourself and others. There's more to that story. Uh, which if we had more time, I would tell. But that's the essence of the story. You have to stay in love with what you do, with the people you lead, with the purpose that you're serving. And when you're in love with all of those things, you, uh, you can get extraordinary things done on a daily basis. That's, that's terrific. What a great way to end uh, this interview. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jim. I, I greatly appreciate it. You have certainly been a role model for me. And uh, I look forward to having you on the show uh, again. I think we have a lot more to talk about. Thank you very much, Linda. Look forward to it. And thanks to everyone who listened. Yes, thank you to our listeners and thank you to you, Jim. And I I do want to say that next week, uh, you know, we have somebody that is, I think, embodies some of the leadership characteristics that um, Jim was talking about. He's a lifelong learner. He was a school principal. And... uh, Went off to Harvard, you know, maybe didn't do so well in undergraduate school uh, and really started thinking about what what his purpose was and what his meaning in life was. And he became a student of um, Goleman, uh, who uh, developed the whole emotional intelligence concept. And he is now really a guru around emotional intelligence. And he will be on the show next week. And offers some really tremendous insights that I think dovetail a lot with what Jim was talking about on how you really develop that relationship, that connection, uh, that emotional connection with others in a way that makes people understand that you do love them uh, and that they are central to your purpose and, and what you're trying to do. So join the show next week um, with Bob Anderson I've uh, taught a number of programs with him, and he's somebody that I have a great deal of respect for. We also are going to be doing a uh, series in the month of June on neuroscience and leadership. And we have some great thought leaders and thinkers who are going to be coming on the show to talk about the impact of neuroscience around the leadership theories, what we now understand about the brain and how the brain functions, and what that is going to do to help us to further advance the development of leaders. You know, this is something I learned in one of the days I the shows, I'll, I'll tell my own story of what I why I got into uh, leadership development. And it's been a passion of mine for my entire career. It probably will be a passion of mine for my entire life. And I realize every time that I talk about leadership that I'm still working on myself. And I'm still working at trying to be the best that I can be. And sometimes I fall off. 
badly, actually. And uh, I'm able to pick myself up and uh, continue on. But that is what being a leader, I think, is all about, is learning from those challenges and helping others. So thanks so much for being with the show. Uh, Look forward to hearing from you. Thank you, everyone who tunes in and uh, who shares the podcast with their uh, community. Join me next week. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thank you.